Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. Well, it's been observed that marriage is like a magnifying glass where your true character is revealed as you and your spouse get to know each other. And sometimes that magnifying glass highlights some of our deepest insecurities. I'm John Fuller, along with Greg and Aaron Smalley. And as you two uh, conduct marriage conferences around the country for years, uh, how often do you meet couples where one or both spouses feel like, I'm just a failure? Oh, all the time. We, all of us, because we live in a fallen world, there's so many issues and problems as we grow up, the experiences that we have, we all bring things like failure, that I'm not good enough, that I'll never measure up, that I'm worthless, that I'm defective, that no one will love me. We bring these wounds into our marriage and 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 it really creates a lot of challenges. I know that I brought that exact one that you just mentioned, feeling like a failure into my marriage. So every time there was an issue, Aaron was frustrated, disappointed, wanted to give me some feedback. All I could hear Whatever words that she was saying, all I could hear is, you're a failure, you're a failure, wow. you're a failure. And so I would react. We'd get into big conflicts. And until I was ready to deal with that, it really created some challenges for us. Well, let's go ahead and hear now a conversation that Jim Daly and I had with Dr. Larry Crabb. Uh, he addresses this very matter and uh, has a really amazing perspective on how to love your spouse, even when he or she falls a bit short. Dr. Crabb, you talk in your book, Fully Alive, about your parents and their mm. um, example, both uh, positive and some negative. Uh, talk to us about that, what you observed and the power of what parents uh, provide in terms of example to all of us. We all come from a mom and dad. Yeah. Um, talk about the impact your mom and dad had on you. I couldn't be more grateful for my parents because they both knew the Lord and they both loved each other in incredible ways that I'm very, very grateful for. Um, but as I began to think about male and female and the ways I've expressed in the book, something disturbing became clear to me that I don't know if mother ever was able to seize the opportunity of womanhood to reflect the beauty that was in her soul. Rather than that, she became very, very dutiful. She was the appropriate mother in that generation. She made my breakfast. She took me to the doctor. She did all the right things. Mother never once in all of my living with her and all through my adulthood until she died in her late 70s, early 80s, um, mother never told me she loved me. Huh. And I think the reason was that was not because she didn't love me, not because she wasn't a good woman. I don't think she understood the power of her invitational nature to draw this little boy who was her son into the depths of the beauty of her womanhood as one who was putting Jesus on display. I think that is far was foreign language to my mother. And that's very sad for me to think back on. I remember she was degenerating into Alzheimer's before it became profound. I was taking her out for lunch one day as her Alzheimer's was maybe halfway gone, if I can put it that way. And um, a woman who I've only seen cry twice in my life, she grabbed me huh. and she said, I don't think I'm good to anybody. And she wept. And I was so sad that she not understand the privilege of femininity, the privilege of womanhood. She was a beautiful woman as a young lady. She was very attractive and feminine by cultural style. 
But I don't think she revealed the femininity of her soul to realize that she could put the Lord on display by being profoundly invitational, way beyond just being dutiful and all the things a woman should do, a mother or a wife should do. Well, in, in that comment, what I hear is a woman who feels she's always coming up short, Yes, which applies to so many women. Yes. I mean, what your mom was saying there is almost said on behalf of all women. Yes. And women are so good about looking at themselves first and saying, okay, what have I done to mm. cause this? Mm-hmm. I really believe that. They have an incredible capacity to look at the log in their eye. Mm-hmm. And they do it quickly. I mean, that's the first thing. I see that in my wife, Jean. She's always looking to herself first to say, okay, what have I done? Yeah. And um, I can see why that would be a natural response to say, what, what have I not done to make myself good enough? And wouldn't it be wonderful if she could take that assessment of herself, realizing I've not been good enough, where have I fallen short, and to see that as a doorway into grace, as a doorway into deeper opportunities, as a doorway into the beauty that God has put in her soul. I'm so taken with First Peter 3 when Peter's talking about wives, and he's saying, ladies, you do have a deep beauty in your soul. And it's not the way your hair looks. It's not your, the clothing that you wear. And it's not the jewelry that you put on. He specifies those things. It's not external. There's something deep in your soul that's alive. And you can put the character of Christ on display. I don't think mom ever thought about that yeah. because she wasn't taught that. And I think my father, a godly man, who's the most significant influence on my life, there's no question about that. I'm so grateful for my dad. He said to me in his senior years, he said, um, I don't understand why God is keeping me alive. I'm not worth anything. And where was that coming from? And I think that's the question. I think the answer to that question is has something to do with a failure to understand what manhood could look like at any age. Huh. I remember saying to him, Dad, yeah, I know you're in your late 70s, your early 80s. Why don't you write letters to your grandkids telling them what goes on in your life as you age? And he said, oh, I feel like that wouldn't be worth anything to anybody. And I'm thinking, not worth anything to anybody? I'd be reading that until the day I died. My grandkids, I think, would salivate over reading letters from their grandfather, their great-grandfather in this case. Um, I think it would be a wonderful thing to be able to look at. And I don't think that he understood as godly a man as he was, as much as he knew about the Lord, as much as he loved the Scriptures, I don't think he came to grips with the privilege of manhood to put Jesus on display by the way he related, to move into people's lives, knowing that there was some profound weight to his soul that could make an impact on other people. I want to believe that I can make, I struggle with this. I want to believe that I can make an impact. I've written a bunch of books. I lead a bunch of seminars. And every time I finish a seminar, everybody's still a mess, (laughs) including me. And so my response is, why bother? As opposed to saying, no, God is still getting his good done. Can I really, do I believe that as a man, I have the weight to make a difference in people's lives? Even when I can't see it, do I believe by faith that it's worth doing a radio show, that it's worth writing a book, that it's worth leading a seminar, that it's worth taking my grandkids out to dinner, that it's worth spending time with them? I don't feel weighty. I feel like a loser half the time. But in the core of my soul, I know that's not true because I'm a man. Mm. So, Aaron, speak to that person who's heard this, and they're they're really trying to um, be encouraging to their spouse, but it's just not working. Their their spouse is not receiving anything. Mm. What should that person do? 
keep doing it keep on that you know that the bottom line is what i have control of is me and i can encourage greg and i don't have control of how he receives it however if there's a consistent pattern that like i give him a compliment or try to encourage him and it's batted right back at me just sitting down and having a conversation of i notice when i compliment you or encourage you don't feel like you're wanting to receive it can you help me understand what goes on for you when I, I give you a compliment yeah. or a bit of encouragement. Tell me, tell me what goes on and have a deeper conversation about what you're noticing. However, we are called to encourage one another daily in scripture. And so that's what I'm called to individually. So it doesn't say encourage those who will receive it. It says wow. encourage one another daily. So I'm just, I'm doing what I'm called to do, but that means I have to be full and full of encouragement to give out. And so it's my job to make sure I plug back in and get full and then hand that encouragement out. I appreciate that. So even though you may not be seeing a response, mm -hmm. keep at it, keep mm -hmm. encouraging. And what is behind that, um, that unwillingness to accept yeah. encouragement? Yeah, because there's something going on. Yeah. There's a reason that they're responding the way they are. Maybe it is a childhood wound. And if that's it, you'll learn about that. Mm. So you'll learn something about your spouse. You'll learn something about you possibly and about your marriage. Maybe it's how you're delivering it, mm. that they're having a hard time. So ask them, how would I encourage you? You know, what would that sound like? What would be helpful? Now, this feels kind of fabricated and false to some people, Greg. I mean, seriously, I'm just supposed to ask you how it's going to feel? I mean, or maybe somebody is thinking, no, you should already know how to encourage me. Well, which is the worst thing that you can do. Anytime that we assume that our spouse should know how to speak love to us or to meet whatever need that we have, it's just so dangerous. Really, an adult marriage is about speaking what you need and what you want. Mm -hmm. It's it's letting go of sort of this immature idea, this this myth that, well, if Aaron really loved me, she would know exactly what I need. Well, of course, Aaron, I've been married 28 years. John, you guys have been married 30-some 30 years. 35-ish. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, obviously we know each other really well, but that's it's the danger is assuming that I know. Huh. And versus... When I'm aware that, that I need something, I, I can put that out to Aaron and say, hey, um, this is what, what really helps me to feel loved. Now, let me talk to the person who maybe is batting back that, that compliment yeah. as Aaron talked about. I know early on in our marriage that, that I did that, that Aaron would, would affirm me in some way, that she would compliment me, and, and I had a way of just trying to dismiss that. I'd minimize it, oh, you know, no big deal, don't worry about it. But really, that was coming from a place of feeling so failed in life, feeling that I I really struggled at some point of feeling like I, I had so disappointed God mm. through some choices that I had made in my early 20s that, that that drove then so much of the interactions with Aaron. So she would try to affirm me. She would try to compliment me. And because of the disappointment that I was wrestling with with the Lord, it just I wasn't willing or probably able to really receive that, but that's my responsibility. And so allow that to be a clue. Just notice as people affirm you, as they compliment you, if you have a tendency to dismiss or to, to minimize that, sort of marginalize, oh, yeah, no big deal, that, that's a clear sign that there's a deeper wound that you're mm -hmm. struggling with. And I tell you, a, a Christian counselor can be so helpful and mm -hmm. really to unpack that and, and help with some insight to better understand, well, yeah, what, what is that tied to? For me, I had to learn 
how to accept God's forgiveness for the poor choice that I had made. I had to figure out how to forgive myself. And, and in working through that over time, then it, it freed me up to, mm-hmm. to be the place that I could receive a compliment, especially when, when Eric would encourage me. Yeah. So keep at it, and if that uh, sense of this doesn't feel right persists, seek somebody out. If you can't figure it out on your own, give us a call. We have caring Christian counselors here, and they'll be happy to have an initial consultation with you over the phone. We'll schedule that at a convenient time for you, and uh, that'll be uh, helpful to you. And then we do have Dr. Crabb's book, Fully Alive. It is an excellent resource. Um, And I want to encourage you to get a copy of that book from us here at Focus on the Family. If you can, make a generous donation of any amount today to Focus on the Family, and we'll send a thank you copy of that book to you. Um, You'll find details about the book, our counseling uh, services, and other resources on our website, and we'll have all the links in the show notes. Well, Dr. Crabb is back with us next time for more. And for now, on behalf of the Smalleys and the rest of the team here, I'm John Fuller. Thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.